Hey guys, and welcome to the official podcast of Develop Yelment, Develop Yelment Unplugged, and today is episode 11. And today we're going to be talking about sales, but not in a traditional sense. We're going to talk about how we all are salespeople, no matter whether you actually sell any product or service, because sales is about communicating value, communicating value in a way that the other person can receive. And Sometimes we have to communicate value in our ideas, our uh, way of being, our goals, our decision-making. Sometimes you have to persuade someone to see the value in something that they don't inherently see the value in, but by using certain narrative, using certain vocabulary, certain body language, using certain tools, we can increase the value they see in something. The value people perceive is not static. It's actually something that can be greatly influenced, and it's something that can enrich many experiences. Don't mistake it for manipulation. While you certainly can manipulate with sales techniques, uh, when you add more value to something, that means that someone will be able to enjoy that experience or that situation more than if you just force it on them without trying to add value or communicate the value that they can understand or that they can perceive. So, uh, before we go into today's topic, uh, if it's first time you're joining us here uh, on the podcast, and if you don't know anything about develop development, let me just give you a very, very quick rundown. Here at develop development, we talk about personal development, personality theory, uh, psychology, entrepreneurship. We cover a lot of different topics. And uh, here in the podcast in particular, we, we use this platform to, to discuss all these topics. Uh, but we do it with a lot of certain core values. We, we, we have a core value that, we're, that where we don't want to uh, be a one-size-fits-all system. We don't want to sh- tell you, oh, this worked for me, so it will work for you. We understand that your context, your goals your personality, your environment are different than mine. And even mine are different than my sister's. We all have different uh, context goals and and there's so many variables. So we have to be very careful making blanket statements. Mm -hmm. So we do many different things to try to contextualize our discussions, our advice, our thoughts, uh, our tools that we've developed here at Develop Yelment. And we use personality psychology to do that. We, we talk about personality theory, we talk personality types, but we don't give you a test. We don't limit you. We don't put you in a box and tell you, oh, this is your personality. No, we actually talk about how we all are a mix of different personalities and in different moments, it's easier to step into certain ways of acting using certain character traits than others. Also, we discuss how certain environments can give us more energy or can drain us, can be be an effort for us to be in those environments. We explore especially this idea that, for example, extroverts, they need higher social stimulus, more physical movement, more constant change. Introverts, they need less physical movement, less social stimulus, less constant change, they actually prefer a certain structure, organization. They like being able to predict their days, plan their days uh, to avoid stressing and surprises and such. Uh, that doesn't mean that introverts can't enjoy extroverted activities and extroverted uh, people can't enjoy introverted activities. Everyone can enjoy every type of stimulus if there's interest, if there's passion, if there's desire. Uh, but even then understanding how certain environments and certain activities affect you gives you a lot of uh, 
knowledge, a lot of uh, awareness of how to approach that situation in an ideal way to be able to enjoy it to the fullest extent, to be able to have the greatest impact in that situation and also not stress yourself out unnecessarily, like uh, beyond what kind of, how shall I say, just don't force things. Like yeah. it, it's, there are many people who force things and with a few little tweaks to your approach, when you take into account your basic needs, everything gets easier. So uh, in Develop Yaman, we talk a lot about that, uh, but we also talk about many different topics that affect different areas of our lives. And in today's topic, we will focus primarily on this idea that we all are salespeople, but not in traditional sales. Like, we will talk some traditional sales, sure. Uh, we want sales not to be a bad word. Sales, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's a service. It's uh, a generous act if done right. You're providing more value. You're taking time to find solutions for problems. Uh, and you're communicating openly and generously if you do it right. Obviously, sales can be used in a negative way, in a manipulative way, desperate way, and obviously we never recommend doing anything out of desperation, uh, especially not sales, because people will perceive that, and that will reduce the value, and that will devalue you and your uh, trustworthiness, and it will deteriorate relationships. So, So, yeah, let's explore how to... Embrace this idea that we all are salespeople, we all can communicate value in things, we all have a voice, and let's amplify that those voices, but not in a like yelling way, but rather in a way that is is just more precise. It's more considerate of, of what can your audience receive, what is your audience going to see value in. So, yeah, I'm joined <laughs> by my sister as usual. Hello. And, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, it's... It's a tricky topic because I think it's definitely one that a lot of people have resistance to. Uh, a lot of us have had really bad experiences with salespeople, whether we've been in sales or not. We've had those salespeople that are forcing the sale, that are yeah. pressuring yeah. us, that are guilting us, that are, you know, I think a lot of us have bought things under pressure from a sure. salesperson, and we've gone away with this awful feeling of, wow, what just happened here, right? Yeah. And then we have this physical reminder of the thing that we bought is this physical reminder of this bad experience we've had and so we resist sales even people who are salespeople resist sales um, yeah. and if we start talking about how do we apply this socially again as you mentioned there's this idea of oh no no I don't want to manipulate people because we've seen salespeople manipulating but there's a very big difference between manipulation and the kind of sales that we're talking about because manipulation is where you're pressuring people, you're guilting people, you're playing with people's emotions in such a way that they feel they have to do what you say, whether or not they want to. Yeah. Whereas, oh. whereas a positive sales experience is where you communicate the value of something, which so many of us forget to do day to day. We're communicating our ideas, our proposals, our suggestions, but we just say, hey, we got to do this, end of story, or hey, I want this, end of story, the other person doesn't understand, they don't appreciate it, they disagree, we feel rejected, now we get upset, we either keep pressing because we're upset or we give up because we're upset, and it becomes an uncomfortable experience for everyone. Just because we forget the basic step of saying, hey, this is the value that I see in this, this is the potential benefits of doing this, and this is why I'm proposing this. That changes the experience completely. 
Yeah, I mean, think of it this way. Le- let, let's start with kind of changing your mental resistance to the word sales, right? I'm sure most of you think of sales as a bad word. Uh, I've definitely encountered that with many people. I've gone through periods of my life where I felt that. I've worked in every type of sales, uh, product services, in-store, online, door-to-door, phones. Like I've done every type of sales you guys can imagine. Mm-hmm. I've also hired and trained salespeople in many different companies. And I've also experienced a lot of sales training from many different managers and many different companies. I've also developed uh, m- my own sales trainings. I, I have a lot of sales experience. Um, but I will say I have had periods of my life where I've been a top salesperson and I've sold two, three times more than anyone else in my department. And I've been had periods of my life where I've sold less than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, sale, many of those periods were influenced by my insecurities, by my fear of rejection, by having sometimes managers who didn't value and respect my processes, my way of doing things and gave me a one-size-fits-all solution and a script. Mm-hmm. First say this, then say this, then say that, and you'll be successful, right? So so I, I certainly got fatigued in sales. I started rejecting myself. I actually, when I started sales in the beginning, I sold a shit ton. I, I, I really had great sales technique, natural sales capacities, but I actually, with a lot of training I received, became worse because I got disillusioned by the environment, by some mm-hmm. people and their mentality. And I my not only did my sales go down, but also my service went down because I started rejecting myself automatically. Yeah. And I maybe didn't pr- uh, communicate the value of some things that could have been very impactful and life-changing for some, some possible clients, right? So... For me, uh, my journey working in sales actually was a big journey of personal development for me too because it was certainly an opportunity to to explore my personal insecurities, my fear of rejection, uh, my own personal identity and my own personal ethics. Uh, I have never been motivated by money like i do obviously see the value in money as a resource to grow a business to be able to have more impact reach more people but for example when i had managers who told me like if you had sold this with this thing and this thing you could have made this amount of commission i I was like that's (laughs) not why i'm here yeah Uh, like i want to provide a valuable service because of my personality and my context I wasn't desperate for money and I certainly wanted to communicate like I wanted certain ethics behind like I, I wanted to do things right. Yeah. And uh some managers didn't know how to obviously tackle that and how to mm-hmm. deal with that. But I think you whether you're gonna listen to this podcast for your business or whether you're gonna listen to it for your personal life to have a, a more of a voice 
to to speak up, to share your thoughts, to share your ideas more. I think it's very important to go through a a process of exploration. You know, what does sales mean? To, uh, what, what, yeah. The word, like, what what thoughts does it trigger in my mind? Yeah. What do I associate with with the word sales? Uh, do I consider myself a salesperson or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and kind of go through that and kind of explore a little bit. And also ask yourself, when did sales become a bad word? Was it a bad experience you had? Mm-hmm. And maybe try to remember other experiences where you went into a store and someone provided you with a solution and they really saved you a lot of time and money because they found a solution and took the time to ask you questions and understand your needs, understand your problem. Mm-hmm. And wow, they found a solution and great, yeah. right? There's no greater feeling than going into a store and getting the help you're seeking. Yeah, You know, how many times have you been in a store where, yes, you're like, oh, I don't want any help. And then you get frustrated when they come up. But also on the flip side, how many times have you been in a store where you're like, you want help and you can't find help? Where's the g- yeah. sales guy? <laughs> like in Home Depot, for example. How many times have you been in Home Depot uh, looking for someone who can help you find something? And it's like, uh, I need help. I need help. Like, yeah. a- And no one... T- no. N- yeah. No, and also sometimes there are people there. I think this particularly happens in certain small businesses yeah. where maybe not everybody who's working there wants to be working there. Yeah. Maybe they're doing it as a favor to a friend or family member. And sometimes you go up to the salesperson, you're asking them something, and they're shrugging you off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're not answering your question. You're like, hey, do you have this? And I'm like, uh and you're like Check over there, like over there. And like sometimes they don't even answer. Yeah, yeah. That's and here's know. the thing, yeah. or they say, yeah, no, but I don't recommend it. Okay, but what else? You know, I think I appreciate a salesperson who's honest enough to say, look, I don't recommend this product or service. But provide an alternative. But exactly, provide <laughs> an alternative. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think honesty and effectiveness have to go together when you're in sales because some people are effective but not honest. Yeah. They'll lie to you, they'll cheat right. you into buying something. There are some people that are honest but not effective because they'll tell you, hey, I don't recommend this product, but they don't give you any other options, so you're still stuck, you're still frustrated, you still don't get a solution. Um, so if you can put those two things together, being honest in your communication but also being effective, showing a sense of possibility, optimism, look, there are solutions, look, there's a way in which we can do this. Even if you got to get creative. I love when salespeople are creative. They're like, no, we don't have that, but let's see what we can figure out. Yeah. Yeah. And they start pulling things together and like, you know, uh, building this whole thing of like, hey, if we do this, this, and this, this way, look, we can find a great solution. Yeah, I mean, wi- if you're in a real sales situation or if you're in a discussion where you're trying to find a solution, you have to have a can-do attitude. Mm-hmm. And if your plan A doesn't work, you got to have a plan B or you got to build a plan B. Like you got to f- figure out a way to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a comment here by Javier that says they simply don't know the products enough uh, or they simply yeah. don't know the products enough. That's another thing, you know, take pride in what you do. I mean, how are you going to sell if you're not to some degree an expert on, on, on your product or your service yeah. or your idea? I mean, as we s- started this podcast saying, sales, every day we're selling. We're selling yeah. our ideas, we're selling our thoughts, we're selling our goals, we're selling our actions. And yes, sometimes in traditional sales, we are selling products and services. But the more educated you're on the topic, the more you can overcome objections, the more you can add value to mm-hmm. what you're communicating, the more you can 
ask relevant questions yeah. that can connect the client with the right product. Yeah. And uh, that's something that requires patience, yes, but also investment of time. Investment of time. And the more you know stuff, I mean, the more ammunition you have to have a greater impact yeah. and also more defenses. And uh, one thing that happens a lot is we tend to sell from our own economy. Like yeah. we, s we sell from our own wallet. And for example, let's say I open my wallet right now, I have a small amount of money. And maybe that's all I have. And maybe I sell a product or service that's very expensive. High-end high stuff, um, top of the line, top tier, uh, flagship products, you know. It's going to be hard to sell that because if you're calculating, oh, I can, I can pay five months of rent for the price of that product or service, or I can put food on the table so many days in a row for the price of that product. If we start seeing value in things only from our perceived value based mm -hmm. on our current context, we will devalue a lot of things. Yeah. Obviously, everyone's economy is different. Everyone's context is different. Everyone's goals are different. Everyone's needs are different. And if you're trying to sell anything, an idea, an argument, a product, a service, you have to understand, you have to have as much, understand the situation, mm -hmm. get as much context as possible to be able to recommend the best solution for that person's context. Yeah. And sometimes, even if you're only selling one product, how do you add value and how do you make it less of a challenge or less of a burden and easier for the client? You know, there are many different areas where you can add value or make mm -hmm. things more impactful for your clients, right? Yeah. And yeah, and, and and I think we have to really elaborate on that because exactly based on our own values, our own context, our own economy, or our own personality, we might see value or lack of value in certain yeah. places, but we have to understand that different people see value in different things. Something might have value just because it's fun and exciting. Yeah. Like for me, something's fun and exciting I'm I'm game, right? But those words they don't mean <laughs> much for me. My personality, my context, that's not a selling point for me, but it is for her. It is for me. The same product or service. Mm -hmm. If the salesperson uses those words, her eyes will light up. Yeah. Mine would be like, mm, okay, that's not really my priority. You don't understand my context. Yeah. Whereas for me, if you sell something to me like, oh, it's the best, uh, it's the newest thing we have, like it's top of the line, it you know high status things like that. I'm like, who cares? But Whereas for you, for that's me, a selling that, point. That's a selling point. Yeah, so we have to start realizing, okay, the way in which something can have value is not just the way in which it has value for us. Yeah. And start observing, like, yes, in Develop Your Element, we talk about the personality types, and that's a very good way of understanding different types of value. But even if you don't really understand the personalities, even if you haven't gone back and watched some of the other episodes where we talk about the personalities, just look around you. Watch TV, listen to people's conversations, yeah. and realize, oh, look, this person values this thing. This person values emotional connection. Some people, if they feel good somewhere or with someone, that alone has value. So if we start realizing that and looking at whatever we're selling, whether it's an actual service, a product, or whether it's an idea, whether we're proposing something to our family, like, okay, what are we going to do on the holidays? I have an idea. I have a proposal. Look at how you can add value 
to all the members in the family. Okay, this person tends to talk about these things, value these things, they tend to make decisions based on these things. How can I communicate based on who they are the value of this proposal that I have? One example I like to use a lot, uh, and some of you who followed us for a while probably have seen this example, but it, it doesn't make it any less valuable. This phone, how many products and services are in this phone? Mm-hmm. A salesperson selling this phone can easily get tempted to sell what they like about it. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever walked into a store and you have a very extroverted salesperson who is super excited to show you all the different cases and all the different rainbow things you can add to it <laughs> and super bubbly, let's say. And maybe you're an extrovert yourself and, and that speaks to you. And, Ooh, like, I like that case. I like that case. Or maybe you've gone in as an extrovert yourself I'm I'm simplifying it right now, but like maybe you're super extroverted, you care about a lot of those kind of things like accessories and 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 visuals and customization and stuff like that, and then you get maybe a more introverted, logical person who maybe is f- focused more on cost benefit, mm-hmm. uh, specifications, kind of techy stuff, and then maybe you have a salesperson saying like, okay, so this one has this processor, this amount of RAM, and it has th- it like this. Uh, it price and this like gives you a lot of numbers and maybe you are like but what i care about is can i get a pink case for this <laughs> like or does it come in different colors or does it come <laughs> in different colors and then it's like no but it's half the price of the f- other phone that has the colors so you, you should go with this one and then it's like <laughs> that th- there's it a loss <laughs> of like suddenly all value gets deteriorated like it mm-hmm. gets lost and and it's 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 frustrating because like that's something when I sold computers. It was hard for me sometimes to embrace the fact that sometimes someone was willing to pay twice as much for a computer just because it was pink. And I was like, <laughs> this other computer is twice as fast. And yes, it's black. But twice as fast. <laughs> and maybe the client was like, but I want it in pink. I'm yeah. willing to pay twice as much. For me, that, that was hard for me. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if you've ever uh, had someone tried to sell, ooh, you need to buy a Mac or you need to buy a Windows or you need to buy Linux or you need to buy this or you need to buy a computer to put Linux on it. <laughs> um, uh, need to buy, a, a, let's say, like how many times has someone kind of pushed uh, yeah. their ideal setup on you? Yeah. And in sales, I had a big problem where suddenly clients would come back and it's like, so I wanted to buy a Mac, but uh, the person selling it, uh, selling uh, me uh, the computer the other day was like, yeah, so this computer is like uh, more specs for your money, so you should go for this one instead of the Mac. And I got home and the software I wanted to run didn't work on it. Yeah. And I don't understand it and it's confusing and I don't want it and I don't like it. I want a Mac. Can someone please just get me a Mac? Like, it's okay to educate per people on the options. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people are locked into certain things that they maybe aren't happy with. And if they aren't happy with it, sure, provide them with an alternative solution. Mm-hmm. But if someone already knows what they like and you kind of force what you like or see perceive more value in, if you force that on them, that's not going to work. Yeah. Yes, you can convince them of the value of something else, Sometimes it'll work, sometimes it'll not work. Mm-hmm. But the more questions you ask, the more time you spend with that person to understand their use case. For example, 
I personally prefer Mac for many use cases, but I also understand if someone is a gamer, I'm not going to sell them a Mac. <laughs> I'm going to sell them a PC, or even nowadays you can even use Linux for a lot of gaming. Uh, but, like, you have to understand the use case, you have to understand the yeah. context, you have to understand multiple different variables. And that's why in sales, you should be asking more questions than you should be answering. Yeah. Because the more questions you ask, the more understanding you have in how to find the right solution, how to solve problems, how to prevent objections, how to overcome objections, and how to provide an experience where everyone wins. Yeah. And this is in any type of situation. I mean, we're giving examples right now of products and services and stuff like traditional sales. But imagine this in your relationship. Let's say you're in a relationship, things are getting stagnant, you want to explore different things, you want to try new things, you want to change certain things in the dynamic, maybe there's something you don't like and you want to speak up, you want to have a voice. If you go straight to attacking the other person or blaming the other person, it's not going to work. Yeah. But if you find, oh, the other person values this, 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 and this, I can present this idea or this alternative uh, dynamic using words, using experiences that the other person will be able to receive. And sometimes we have different personalities that conflict. For example, me and relationships. For me, certain more emotional things can be a little bit harder. I'm a little slower at opening up emotionally. Mm -hmm. And that can cause frustration with people who have personalities that are more emotionally expressive. And that has sometimes created confusion where the other person has maybe felt that I was using them or wasn't valuing them at an emotional level. Mm-hmm. And there has been, for me, it was like a process of understanding, ah, for this person, these things are very important and they have a different order in which they do things. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so for them to see value in what I value, I have to be able to provide this experience or do this or change this and then I can have what I also desire and we all win Mm -hmm. and so I can sell my idea but you have to time it right you have to understand the other person's needs you have to understand the other person's frustrations challenges desires goals and when you have all of that you can be like okay so you know how you have this goal and I have this goal well we can actually have both and the way we do it is we do this 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 and this and then you get this and I get this and we all get and we're all happy mm-hmm. like but if you don't take time to understand the other person you're not going to be able to say this is your priority this is my priority this is where we meet in the middle this is where I uh, show an act of kind of generosity or step out of maybe my comfort zone because I know Mm -hmm. it's important to you. This is where I ask you to kind of reciprocate a little bit. And it's not about like, for example, like I'm giving an example without giving specifics because I understand that everyone's contexts are different. I can paint your picture with one example, but I don't want you to limit kind of your understanding of this concept to one example. But like, let's say you've been hurt in a previous relationship. For you, it's hard to trust. For you, it's hard to open up. You know you are romantic. You know you are uh, you love deeply. You know all these things, but because of your context right now, you can't share it. But maybe you're with someone who needs to see that. And it's like, for you, it's hard, mm-hmm. right? So how do you get to that point where it's like, okay, 
I need these things first before I'm ready to share this. Mm -hmm. But this person needs this before they're ready to maybe do this. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, so maybe I can't give the full experience right now, but I can at least express openly. Yeah. I was like, okay, so this is what I desire. This is what you desire. Right now, I might not be ready to provide this emotional vulnerability, but I will take a step here. I will take a step here. I will take a step here. But I also ask from you, if you want to see more steps taken, that you help me overcome these insecurities, these fears, these like it's a discussion. Like, but it's it's a trying to understand. Okay, these this is what I'm. I need this. What you need, and really, once you understand that, it becomes so much easier. Yeah, it's like okay, well. So I want to sell you this idea. I want to s- sell you this dynamic of our relationship. And maybe we do it in stages. This is maybe phase one. This is phase two. This is phase three. But mm-hmm. sell that because if you don't open up fast enough, that person might leave you. And maybe you're feeling a lot of feelings for that person. Yeah. And they might be ready to leave you because you haven't sold the relationship to them. Th- yeah. You haven't sold the dynamic to them. Uh, so maybe it's like, okay, I might not be ready for this, but I will paint them a picture now. I will mm-hmm. sell you. Okay, so... This is ultimately where we would like to be. This is where we are right now. Okay, let's break it into phases. I'm going to sell you phase one right now. I'm going to sell you phase two. I'm going to sell you phase three. I'll sell you phase four, five, six, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then we can get to where we want to be, where you get what you want and I get what I want. And then basically that way you are selling them. I need patience. I need support. I need uh, some empathy. I need you to maybe put up with me being a little bit more close in the beginning. But instead of saying it like, you just need to put up with it. You just need to accept that. That's Mm -hmm. just how I am. Be like, okay, I'm going to paint you this picture. I'm going to sell it to you. I'm going to sell the value of, okay, a relationship with me will provide you with this. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to paint that picture for you. Even though I have these challenges that are holding me back in the beginning, we can get to where we want to be. And so sell them on it, right? And... That's why we say we're all salespeople because I don't know how many times I've been in relationships that deteriorated because we didn't sell each other our visions. We didn't sell each other the different phases and just kind of wanted to get to phase five right away. And we didn't take the time to communicate, okay, well, there's value in going through phase one because if we're patient with phase one, we'll get to phase five. It's like with a business. Mm -hmm. I mean, here we have invested a lot of money. We've been doing a lot of changes. We've hired more staff. So money is obviously tighter when you invest a lot. Let's face it, many new companies, uh, even though revenue increases, they tend to invest that revenue back into growing the business. And then profits becomes a challenge. And like, how do you communicate to to the team, for example? Okay, we're going to not go out and spend all the money and celebrate right away. Even though, obviously, we're working hard to be able to improve our quality of life and have certain uh, bases covered, let me sell you the phases. Let me sell you phase one. We're going to reinvest basically everything that comes in into growing the business. There'll be a period of some stress, some patience. We're going to maybe live a little bit more modestly in some areas. Okay, so now phase two. Phase two will have a little bit more stability. Things will be a little Mm -hmm. bit... Phase three... And then sell the faces yeah. right and and that's something that we all have to see how can we sell those things in every area of our life 
Yeah, and that's something that I think you've done really effectively with Develop Your Element. Because before coming to Develop Your Element, I was had I had a couple of jobs that were giving me quite a lot of money. I was in a very good place financially, probably the best place I've been ever financially, living the life of my dreams in many ways. But I knew it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. I knew that I was really relying on really constant success to keep it up. And I knew that if I got sick one day or, you know, if something came and interrupted it, I'd fall right back down and have to rebuild from scratch. And what you've been able to do with Develop Your Element, in a way, among many other things, is sell to me the sustainability and the long-term future of Develop Your Element. So I've been willing to make a lot of short-term sacrifices in order to reach certain long-term goals. Uh, And I think it is important to see relationships that way too. Because yes, we get in many times where we have insecurities, the other person has insecurities, both have baggage from past experiences or lack of past experiences. And if those don't get communicated properly, we're just gonna be like bumping heads or like missing the mark, saying and doing things, trying to make the other person happy, and we miss the mark because they're not communicating their needs, we're not communicating our needs. And sometimes with really, really good intentions, there are couples that keep missing the mark because they're not communicating. And both people are trying to make the other person happy. Both people are trying to do what they think the other person wants and needs, but since nobody's communicating, they don't know how to actually do that for the other person. Yeah, I mean... And, and this is something that sometimes it's hard to see in ourselves, but we see it with our friends. We see it in TV series kind of oh allude yeah. to <laughs> this a lot. Uh, t- take an example of current events. I imagine many of you probably have watched the show Lucifer on Netflix. The show Lucifer on Netflix plays a lot of this idea. Well, there's this kind of like they they're two people who kind of like each other, but their insecurities come in the way, yeah. and then one kind of takes certain steps, and the other one backs up, and then but they yeah. always <laughs> like there's always something there, but it doesn't actually actualize because like there's always some insecurity, something that doesn't get yeah. said, and because it didn't get said, <laughs> it deteriorates the relationship more, and then they get further apart, but then they meet up again, and like th- it's a it's a cliche recipe in Hollywood, uh, but it it is that way because it works. It it plays with our we emotions. Relate we to relate it. to it. <laughs> We've all been there where we want to say something and we don't say it, and things get worse. And yeah. then we both are very interested in each other, and then someone pushes the other way person away, and they didn't want to, and it's because they withheld something. And and I think. We really need to be critical with ourselves and reflect. So, (laughs) how many things have we kind of maybe destroyed prematurely by assuming things and not sharing things and not communicating? And I mean, I'm sure most of us have made a lot of mistakes. And this is not to go back and punish ourselves for the Mm -hmm. past. I mean, we never want to trigger that. But you can learn from the past. You can learn from maybe if I had said this differently, maybe had I done this differently, it would have been different in the future, if I'm in the same situation, I will take that into consideration. Yeah, no, I've definitely, I've had that a lot where, you know, I would watch these types of TV shows with these tropes and I would get so mad at the characters. I'd be like, just tell each other how you feel and you'll figure it out. But in my own life, I was doing the same thing. And many times that happens. We'll get frustrated when we see in other people things that we ourselves are doing. Um, And I had, you know, so many relationships where, 
the other person was really great, really kind, really generous, really dedicating a lot of their energy and their time to making it work, and yet it wouldn't work. And I'd you know, do it, and it would happen again, and it would happen again, and it would happen again. And so one time I was like, okay, what's actually going on? And I realized I was not communicating effectively. I was just showing up, expecting them to know things about me that I hadn't communicated. You were not communicating your context. Exactly. And then they would have certain assumptions about me, and then I would try to live up to them thinking those are their expectations of me, and then I'd get frustrated that they would expect me to be that way, but I was the one showing them that. Yeah. So they were just going off of what I was giving them. No, uh, for example, here in the business, uh, it's been a b- long period of people kind of building enough confidence to share their context, share their goals, share their insecurities, share their frustrations, and for us to understand really what everyone on the team needs. Yeah. For a long time, there was a lot of things that were unspoken, unsaid, yeah. withheld. And I h- have spent many months focusing on building that trust, building that communication, opening those uh, lines uh, of communication up. And it's paying off greatly. Yeah. I, I, I think the, the, the work dynamic, the environment is so much better today than than before because of that, because we invested time in that. Mm-hmm. But many people don't invest time in understanding every individual's context. And in development, I mean, we talk a lot about context. If you don't have context, how can you tackle a situation without understanding all the pieces of the puzzle, right? Yeah. And uh, if you want to receive better advice, share your context. You want more support, share your context. You want to help someone more, ask questions to get their context. Yeah. Context matters. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's nothing worse than judging people out of context, blaming people out of context. Uh, I mean, uh, relationships have been destroyed by by taking things out of context and not yeah. trying to understand the individual's actual complete context. Mm-hmm. People's reputations have been destroyed because things have been taken out of context. Uh, I mean, businesses have fallen apart because they didn't try to understand enough context in the marketplace, you know? Uh, What's really relevant? What are the actual needs? Context matters. And I I feel that to some degree we are living in a point in history where we have so much access to information, we have so much access to uh, seeing stuff Reading stuff, and whether we talk about individuals, public figures, businesses, assumptions get made. Yeah. Assumptions get made, things get blown out of proportion. And this is like with context, you will know when something is a real issue, when something isn't a real issue, mm-hmm. when something is a bigger issue than what we initially thought, when something is a smaller issue than what we initially thought. But because we like drama. I mean, <laughs> the news. Look at look at the news. The news yeah. makes money selling drama and fear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people go crazy about over exaggerating sometimes the bad, and that's not to say there isn't bad in the world. There's a lot of bad in the world. There's a lot of abuse. There's a lot of mm-hmm. bullshit in the world. But. We also are addicted societally to drama, to conflict, to uh, all this stuff. And 
we seek it out. And yeah. that's something we have to be careful with because I have made the mistake of prematurely assuming things about people. Uh, I have prematurely labeled people as, I'm not going to work with that person. That person is not ethical. That person is this, this person is that. Mm -hmm. Because I have very strong core values, yeah. core principles, ethical guidelines. But we also have to understand that people are humans. Yeah. And we have to look at the totality of that sh those humans, right? We yeah. have to understand, like, we all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. We all make mistakes. We all have low moments. We all miscalculate things. We all have foot in mouth moments where we say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And like, if we want to really have an impact where we can connect with people, build bridges, be empathetic, be grateful for people, where we want to be able to sell our ideas, have them be received, but also receive other people's ideas, we have to be empathetic. We have to contextualize things. We have to understand things and not take things at face value. Yeah. And that's something that I challenge all of you to really ask yourselves, are you seeking enough context or are you drawing conclusion based on just A that tidbit of, of information? Yeah, like yeah. No, it's, I mean, we also see it in, in the health industry you know, all these posts on fa on social media that say, science says this is bad for you, science says this is good for you. Okay, but what science? What was the scientific <laughs> process? Who was, who was like, who were their participants in the yeah. studies? Did uh, they do a double blind? Has it been replicated? Yeah, did they have other conditions or other risk factors, other things yeah. that were relevant? Uh, Sample size? <laughs> exactly, you know, because there are a lot of things that maybe, yes, there was that scientific study where this result came out, but there might be a very important variable that affects whether or not that applies to you, whether or not you can safely assume, okay, that's probably going to work for me too. Uh, so, yeah, there's so many things where we don't get all the information and we make decisions based yeah. on that. Now, you, when you're selling your ideas, how is that relevant to you? When you don't give all the information, people are making decisions based exactly. on that. So. If you're able to exactly ask people questions, listen to them, observe them, and then provide them with the information that's relevant to them, then they can make better decisions. I mean, we're talking sales and we're talking how we all salespeople. We talk about how we are selling every day, whether we like the word sales or not. And we are adding the conversation of context because context matters in sales. Yeah. The more context you have, the more you understand the situation, the variables, the more more consciousness and awareness you have of what is the right solution, what is the right wording, what's the right intensity, what's the right timing, what's the right body language to be able to communicate this idea, this uh, thought, this product, this service, how can I present it in a way that will have the most impact. Mm -hmm. uh, but also... When we talk about sales, you have to be able to look at things from an outside view. So one thing is like, oh, you can improve all your strategies to become the most charismatic person in history and charm everyone. But if you don't understand context, that charm might, n might backfire. Yeah. That might backfire. They might think of you as an arrogant prick and uh, because you don't do your timing right you don't use the right empathetic wording you don't do you don't make them feel included in the process mm -hmm. so 
that's why one size fits all solutions don't work. Yeah. Uh, and actually, one thing that they have done scientific uh, research on is, you know, there's this myth that says you have to be an extrovert to be a great salesperson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you don't. You don't. <laughs> actually, ambiverts uh, tend to have more ease with sales because they are more flexible. They're more agile. They can adapt to a client who is more introverted, more extroverted with more ease. Yeah, and they're also more naturally inclined to seek out context and listen to the other person. Yeah. Uh, I think both introverts and extroverts can fall into the, oh, no, we're focused on this right now this is the result right now, this yeah. is what we're doing right now, so like your personal story about your mom is irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, whereas ambiverts have a bit more of that tendency yeah. to care about those things and yeah. seek out those things. So they find out things about you that they can use to sell effectively. Yeah. And they see you ada- acting a certain way, they see you with a certain tempo, yeah. and they can adapt to that. Now that's a skill all of us can learn. Just because it comes naturally, more naturally to ambiverts doesn't mean we can't all learn it. I mentioned this in a in a previous e- episode, uh, and and I got some very good comments about this because people didn't realize this. Mm-hmm. Charisma can be learned. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain s- set of skills that you can develop, even as the most introverted person. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that introversion and shyness are two different things. We say it in every podcast, basically. But introversion and shyness, while they sometimes influence each other, many times. They are two very different things. Yeah. Introversion is the need for less social stimulus. Mm-hmm. Shyness is fear of judgment. I'm an extrovert. In many situations, I'm shy. Mm-hmm. In my dating life, I've had periods where I would reject myself. I would freeze. I would uh, shut down because of shyness, not because of introversion. Mm-hmm. They are not one and the same. Yeah. Yes, many people are shy and introverted at the same time, and then you have to filter the noise and be like, what parts are natural to me, and what parts are just my insecurities, and the insecurities you can work on. Yeah, Shy uh, Shyness, we can all work on overcoming. Introversion is not something you work on overcoming. It's something you embrace because it has a lot of inherent value it has a lot of impact they can i mean i surround myself by a lot of introverts because they have a lot more organization structure they really do things correctly they do it well the first time like they 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 sometimes have more patience for certain processes and and it's impactful it's powerful and introverts are amazing and i love introverts but we have to understand that even an introvert can develop extrovert skill sets. And in Develop Your Element, we talk about we can all step out of our comfort zone. We can all act outside of our biological nature and do things that are difficult. Yes, our heartbeat increases, our muscles get tenser, we start sweating more. An introvert on stage, it will be it will generate some stress, some anxiety probably. And and uh, uh, an extrovert trying to sit still all day and be quiet and organized and structured, also they will probably generate some anxiety, some stress. Uh, but that doesn't mean we can't do it. The, yeah. the thing is, it will be extra effort for us to do things that are outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. So what we do and what we talk about in develop development is, okay, as an introvert, if you want to be a public speaker, if you want to sell more, if you want to increase your, your, your database of clients, things like that, you've got to take certain actions that maybe require certain extroverted character traits. You can develop them, you can train them, mm-hmm. you can learn uh, new skills, 
But also you can recharge your battery before and after stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You can recharge your social battery by taking some time to relax, to disconnect from all the chaos, all the extroverted environment, kind of breathe, recharge your battery, and then you'll have more patience, more flexibility, more resilience, more impact in those moments where you step out of your comfort yeah. zone. And an extrovert as well, if they know they're going to have to sit still uh, for several hours during some important uh, event, then they might want to do something fun the day before and the day after <laughs> uh, to recharge the battery, to get it out of the system, to be able to, you know, get rid of that anxiety and stress that's like, I need to move, I need to move, <laughs> I need to. And that doesn't mean there won't be moments where they're like, I need to move, but it'll be much less intense yeah. if they allow themselves those stimulus before and after yeah. stepping out of the comfort zone. So yeah, yeah, no, I can say from personal experience right now, my experience on this podcast compared to many of the others is completely different. Why? Because I have that extroverted side that needs to move. Context. So Context. My sister has both an extroverted side and an introverted mm -hmm. side. While many of you know her primarily for her introverted side because most of her life she operated primarily from her introverted side. Since working with Develop Your Element, she's been able to recharge consciously her introverted side and unlock her extroverted side. Mm -hmm. Previously, when she lived in Japan, she did it uh, uh, subconsciously or unconsciously, rather, because it was a more introverted environment. It gave her a lot of peace and tranquility yeah. and helped recharge her introverted side to also explore that extroverted side. But now she has unlocked an extroverted <laughs> side that, I mean, uh, I can't keep up sometimes. I would say they're close to being 50-50 yeah. because both are very strong yeah. and they both have like certain areas where they'll dominate yeah. and for me the podcast is sometimes difficult because sitting still so much time and we and tend to do <laughs> english first and, and then, then spanish, spanish right afterwards. after <laughs> so many times it's several hours sitting yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no and like if you're doing a live class you can kind of move around on stage yeah. uh you can take breaks say okay let's do a five minute or a ten minute break you can move around a bit more but on a podcast you're sitting here and you got to be here for the entire yeah. thing um so that sometimes kind of stresses me out a bit but last night well yesterday was my birthday and last night we all went to karaoke we definitely laughed a lot yeah. we sang our hearts out it was really for me really 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 fun uh party very dynamic you know dancing singing very extroverted yeah. event um so now i'm in so much peace sitting yeah. here compared to other times i just hear like oh this is nice i like doing podcasts usually <laughs> she's like i need a stress ball i need something to under the table in the first episodes if you go and back I do have something right now like she but I'm not, it's not as desperate of a need as yeah. it is other times. <laughs> no, no, I mean, the first few episodes, it was a big problem. She would take the microphones. I'd be playing with and this. And she would play, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear this, <laughs> but you'd be doing this. And uh, it was like, we have to find a way to uh, reduce that extroverted energy anxiety that's <laughs> kicking in there. And we tried many different things. But yeah, the best thing is before the podcast, do something of high stimulus. Yeah get that out of your system so that in the moment of actually being in that situation, it's easier. Yeah. And yes, I mean, you probably see her this episode and with a bunch more energy than, than some other episodes. <laughs> and that's because she regenerated that side of her yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. 
and 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 that's that's key because we tend to rob ourselves of regenerative spaces and yeah. regenerative space is something that affects all areas of our lives it affects our emotional well-being our mental well-being our energy levels our productivity our yeah. kindness our patience i mean you guys know when you guys are burned out when you're stressed you're not as kind you're not as productive you yeah. don't have as much mental clarity when you guys have certain inner peace, tranquility, uh, a l high battery levels, you have energy, you feel good. I mean, you're going to be more productive, kind, and more generous. And when it comes to sales, you're going to generate more confidence. You're going to have more mental clarity and mental agility to find creative solutions to mm -hmm. problems. You're going to be more flexible to step out of your comfort zone with a, a, a client or a, a, an audience that maybe a different level of uh, stimulus than your ideal stimulus. I mean, yeah. uh, for example, for me, if I have a client who requires something in a very specific way, if I'm re with a recharged battery, it's very easy. But if I'm fatigued, if I'm burned out, and I need to step out of my comfort zone, I need to do something that's very different from my ideal process, it's like, not again, yeah. I don't have patience for this. I can't, not today. Like. Mm -hmm. I think we've all been there. Yeah, I think yeah. we've all been there. So the more conscious we are of what do I need to be my best self, to have that agility, that flexibility, and also we become more attractive. The way we move, the way we speak, we generate more confidence because let's face it, seduction, uh, uh, the world of dating, the world of, I mean, I mean most... Uh, types of influence that you might want to seek or power or leadership or whatever it is you got to sell yourself yeah you got to sell yourself i mean there's nothing worse than a desperate salesperson like for example if it's a product if you feel that they're lying to you and saying whatever you want to hear to to get the sale you're thinking they just are doing this for the commission they're probably doing it just to pay the rent and they aren't actually listening to what i need yeah. and they don't care and I'm going to get home and this is going to be junk. Uh, in dating, if someone is uh, projects desperation, like they'll say anything to to get with you, you're going to be like, this person doesn't have much value. And that doesn't mean fake, hard to get. I mean, it's f we all like mm -hmm. feeling that someone is attracted to us, that someone desires us. But there's nothing worse than someone like projecting desperation. Like yeah. they won't be whole without you. Yeah. Like that feeling is not attractive. Yeah. yeah. Like no, and it applies in business too. If you're showing up at a job interview yeah. and you seem so desperate for the job that you're not confidently communicating your value, like, hey, these are my skill sets, yeah. this is what I'm able to provide, it doesn't create the same effect. Nope. Nope. So also, another way in which we can apply this is with ourselves. Yeah. If we're working on overcoming insecurities, on reaching certain goals, also selling ourselves the value of certain actions, the value of certain processes, I think it's very important because it's so easy when we feel insecure or inadequate to give up or to compensate or to not look at it, to not be honest with ourselves. But if we can sell ourselves the value of the process of going through and working on it, then we'll feel more confident in that process because we know we're headed somewhere. You know, because it can be very scary and very uncomfortable to confront certain insecurities. But if you know that it has value to do it, if you know that that's what you need to do to get to where you ultimately want to be, 
it's going to be much easier than if you're like blindly thrown into your insecurities. Yeah, I mean, insecurities are a big challenge when it comes to sales. We are our own worst enemies. We shut ourselves down. We assume things. And we also think that sales is bad, it's wrong, it's unethical, blah, blah, blah. We have all these internal narratives where we shut down. And that's where we have to, and we say this every episode too, basically, make your goals more important than your fears. Yeah. Don't give so much power to your fears because you guys are going to get surprised. Like, for example, you're going to be surprised how many times people are going to accept your proposals, yeah. your ideas, your sales. They're going to buy, they're going to bite, they're going to uh, accept, they're going to embrace. I mean, it depends on the context, but they're... We have in, 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 in uh, like in some of our workshops, we kind of challenge people to go out and, and do this rejection challenge where they go out, whether it be in sales, uh, try to get rejected by 10 clients, or uh, in dating, try to get uh, rejected by, 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 by 10 people in an evening, let's say. Like we, we challenge them to seek rejection mm -hmm. instead of avoid rejection. And many times what happens is, they hardly get rejected because they certainly project such a level of confidence because they're like, I don't care if you reject me. I know my value. Come reject me. And that, that's actually attractive. Mm -hmm. Like it's like when you've been in a store and like an Apple store, they're not discounting out of desperation. They're yeah. not trying to make you the best deal. They're like, if you can't afford it, walk, go find something else. You're not yeah. going to find anything better. That they, they might not say it that way, but that's the, confidence they project yeah and i want to add to that because some people they hear this and they do it in a sort of overcompensating ah, yeah. putting people down kind of way which is not how it's going no. to work it's about actually presenting yourself with confidence it's not telling people hey i don't care if you like me or not it's showing up and not making yourself smaller yeah. not acting out of fear and like rejecting yourself in your head like oh should i say it this way or that way because they're probably going to reject me so i probably shouldn't say it you're like half saying it you're half not saying it that's the difference yeah. it's you know showing up with a level of confidence that says i'm going to be who i am i'm going to present the ideas that i have and if they don't work they w don't work and that's fine i i, I remember one time I was doing a garage sale and I had this gym set uh, and there were other people there helping me sell stuff and there were these people that I knew they were interested in it and they were trying to negotiate it down. They were trying to devalue it. It was already very well priced. I knew they wouldn't weren't going to find it better anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So I, I let them walk and People got so upset with me. Why did you let them work? You should have just given them a discount. Just get it out of the house already. And I was like, no, they'll be back. They're not going to find a better deal than this. And if it's, if they don't come back, I know I can sell it tomorrow on Craigslist, Kijiji, Facebook, whatever it is that is relevant in your country. <laughs> At the time, it was in Canada and in a side of Canada with Kijiji, the <laughs> system. But basically... Uh, sell it on eBay, sell it whatever. I knew I could sell it for that price and I didn't devalue it. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about sales, be careful with discounts because the moment you start discounting, you're devaluing yourself. Yeah. I mean, since we discount out of insecurities, that's not to say that there isn't a time and a place for discounts. If you do high volume sales, sure, do a package. Do a package. You're not going to lose out from that. You're still like communicating your value and maintaining your value. But if you start 
being able to negotiate down every time and every sale. People are just going to come expecting that, okay, it's worth half of what the sticker price is, yeah. right? And you have to be careful with, with devaluing yourself and your products. Obviously, you need to know how to price things correctly. If you are priced incorrectly based on the market and the quality and the service, that's a different product problem. Yeah. Then it's you need to provide more value. But what we actually say in our workshops related to sales is like, you can do two things. You can lower the price or you can increase value. You have to ask yourself which is the relevant one. But many times the relevant one is adding value. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's adding value by improving the quality of, of your product or service or including more in the box, let's say, or more in the package. But sometimes it's literally just communicating in a way that the other person will perceive value. Yeah. Like with the phone. Like, for example, she's going to probably want more customization than I'm going to want. So I probably have to take time showing her cases and things. To me, I don't even have a case on it. <laughs> uh, like, understand how to sell the product or service you already have but in a way that the other person will receive more, uh, perceive more value mm -hmm. before you go straight to discounting. And also know the moment you discount, you, you've opened yourself up to people perceiving that product or service or you as being less valuable. Yeah. And yes, sometimes you want to discount out of a collaborative effort. Sometimes you want to discount because you're doing a business sale and you're doing high volume. There are, there's a time and a place for everything and there's no one-size-fits-all here at Developed Element, we understand that in some contexts, in some situations, it makes sense. Yeah. But we also understand that most people, when they discount, they're doing it out of insecurities. They're like, yeah, so I want to sell you this, but I realize it's worth half the price, so I'm going to charge you half the price instead of the full price. Yeah. Like, that is devaluing it. Instead of being like, okay, how can I improve my service? How can I improve my product? Or how can I um, increase their perceived value by communicating, asking questions, providing solutions, educating my client how they can use this in more ways that they're going to be happier with it, right? Uh, so add value. Add value yeah. with words, add value with actions, add value with quality management. Um, and then if after you've added all this value, you still don't see sales, then ask yourself how are you priced in relation to the market? Uh, uh, is Does it make sense? is how are the competitors do some market research. But I do think on average, and here I am generalizing, you have to take into account your context. Most people are experts in devaluing themselves. Yeah. No, and, and right now we're saying it in terms of actual sales, but even with ourselves, there's a way in which we'll kind of discount ourselves too yeah. with our insecurities. We won't present certain ideas, certain aspects of our personality because we're thinking, oh, this probably doesn't have value. People will probably they reject it. They won't understand. So we reject ourselves and in essence are kind of like discounting ourselves. And yeah. We're, yeah, we're discounting ourselves. We're rejecting ourselves. We're saying, okay, this part of me is not relevant. It doesn't have value. I'm going to shove it aside. I know I did that for so long yeah. with my personality and, you know, especially the extroverted side because the introverted side was good in school, got praised because I was well behaved, things like that. So I was like, okay, this is the road to success. Yeah. This extroverted side just likes to have fun, just likes to be silly, sometimes says the wrong thing yeah. in the wrong moment. So that probably doesn't have value. And what I realized is that it has a lot of value. People see me as more approachable. People have fun around me. People like being around me because of that too. 
it has value too, even in business. The, let's give a little bit of context mm-hmm. here. So my sister, most of her life, would always set the expectation of being an introvert. Yeah. And then she would, in some moments, show her more extroverted side. And people would be surprised. They didn't know how to handle it because mm-hmm. she set one expectation and delivered something different. Yeah. That created confusion. Yeah. And so when she saw that confusion being generated, she blanket slate rejected her extroverted side mm-hmm. instead of understanding, ooh, I can set realistic expectations. Yeah. That way they will embrace it more. They will appreciate it more. Ah, okay. Yeah. I mean, it has happened with me too. I lived in Denmark. I lived in Japan. What do those places have in common? Modesty. Modesty. <laughs> False modesty. They teach you that no one can be better than anyone else. In Denmark, they have something called the law of Jensen. No one can be better than anyone else. Everyone is equal. And while I am a fan of equality in terms of equal rights, equal opportunity, uh, inclusion, and such, we have to be careful not to cut people down and using it in a way where we don't celebrate hard work, where we don't celebrate achievements. Because in Denmark, in the school system, I felt... well. No, it wasn't even I felt. It was a reality. If I did a 70-page essay or a one-page essay, I got the same amount of praise, same results. So I was taught it doesn't matter if I put a little effort or a lot of effort. So there has to be balance between equal rights and equal opportunities, but also don't bring people down because of the fear of making people feel uncomfortable because... Let's face it, we need people to uplift people. We need people to inspire people. Yeah. We need people to work hard. We need to people to break boundaries, to try new things, to, you know, we need to celebrate hard work too. Not forced hard work, not making things hard just for the sake of making it hard, mm-hmm. but we got to embrace the fact that, you know, if you put more into something, you should get more out of it. Like, yeah. and, and uh, with my situation going back, I had it in Denmark with the Yentelo. In Japan, there's the law of Yente that says no, the, the nail that sticks out gets hammered in. Uh, in Australia, they have the tall puppy syndrome. You know, the plant that grows faster gets cut down to the same length as the other ones. And, I mean, cutting people down is not good, but I, unfortunately, have a part of my personality that likes being productive, likes being a leader, likes being impactful, likes results, likes to some degree showing off. And uh, I shut down that whole side of me and I became very self-deprecating. I started rejecting myself constantly. I started basically thinking that I was wrong and I didn't have a voice and that uh, I should just keep everything to myself and I, sh- I should never celebrate any achievements because celebrating achievements was wrong. Yeah. And I shut down. I became a very small fraction of who I was because I was afraid of that rejection because in Denmark I was constantly told that, like, oh, sharing certain achievement or sharing certain part of my life was showing off and I'll make other people uncomfortable so I can't talk about that. Mm-hmm. There are many things I wasn't allowed to talk about in school. They're a part of my daily life. Yeah. Uh, life. And so I just assumed, okay, it's wrong to be that way. So that part of my personality is wrong. So I reject it. Yeah. So I stopped selling myself. Mm-hmm. I stopped selling myself and I made myself insignificant. And it has been a long process to embrace parts of me and see value in it. 
Yeah. And we all have to look at where rejection in the past is leading to self-rejection today. Yeah. Yeah, no, because yes, I think all of us have faced certain major rejections that maybe came from the other person's context, the other person's situation, but then insecurities are formed as a result of that and we start rejecting ourselves. And so many of the rejections we're facing now in our lives are based on self-rejection, are based on we're selling ourselves short, we're presenting ourselves as less than what we are, and we're getting rejected as a result mm. of that, not as a result of who we actually are. Yeah, uh, I, There's a, a fun little comment here I'm getting. Super duper interesting. <laughs> we are good in the market of love, jobs, socially, and most of us are always on sale. Ha, ha, ha. No good, <laughs> no good. Uh, it's, it's a fun comment uh, because, uh, well, the narrative, I'm sure a lot of people will not like to see themselves that way. It's, it is important to really reflect on all the time we're selling ourselves, all the time yeah. we have to communicate our value, exactly, in love, in job, socially. We have to communicate our value. Otherwise, people are not going to trust us. Otherwise, people are not going to hire us. Otherwise, people are not going to buy from us. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, people are not going to take us into account. Mm -hmm. we, we have to sell our ideas. We have to sell our processes. We have to sell our value. We have to sell our contributions. And it's not about fake selling. It's not about inflating ourselves mm -hmm. through ego and insecurities. That is something that obviously is a risk if you're an insecure. And that there we encourage you listening to some of our podcasts and things that focus on really tackling insecurity. But we have to look at how can we constantly add more value in everything we do. And I say we're the worst, we're our own worst enemies because... We reject ourselves because of experiences in the past. We amplify them. And maybe those people who already rejected us three years ago, they already forgotten. And you are, you are in the shower or you have your head on the pillow just before bed. And you're repeating yourself and you're punishing yourself. I remember very clearly one time in college, I presented myself where I misunderstood how I was supposed to present myself because I was the first person to present myself. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's one of those like present your name, yourself, a little bit about yourself, blah, 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 blah. So I presented myself and I at least understood one thing and everyone after me didn't do the same thing. So I felt so stupid that for like five years or seven years after, I would every time I'm in the shower or <laughs> lay my head to bed, like I would think of that. I was like, why did I do it like that? Why, why, <laughs> like I, I made such a fool out of myself. We're so good at uh, thinking back when we made a fool out of ourselves and punishing ourselves way more than we should. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, things that we're good at, things that come naturally to us, things that are easy for us, we don't see value in, so we devalue it instantly. Yeah. instantly <laughs> so we have to understand that just because for us something is easy doesn't mean that it's easy for someone else it's like mm -hmm. i mentioned in another podcast when i repair computers cell phone things like that for me it's easy so i never saw value in paying for a tech repair service yeah but it's time it's money it's parts and it has a lot of value you're yeah. solving problems for people and it's only when someone came to me and was like wow you just saved me a lot of money time and and stress and i can be productive today already instead of waiting a week to get my laptop back like it, like and that person told me literally 
for you, this is easy. For me, this is impossible. Yeah. I would have spent a fortune and had to wait a long time <coughs> to get it back. You just did me a solid. You just did me a huge favor and you don't even realize it. Yeah. And I see that every day here on the team. Less and less because we have a lot of checks in place. We have a lot of processes in place to make sure that people are being celebrated. They are being challenged to see their worth, their contributions. Mm -hmm. Because we all... All here at the team, we're like, well, I didn't do enough. Oh, like, this is not good enough. Yeah. I, like, I did this, but I would have liked to do this. Instead of being like, like, whoa, like, look at what we just achieved. Look at what you just did there. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We are very good at devaluing ourselves. Yeah. No, and, and as a result of that, we'll settle <coughs> for less in a lot of situations yes. where we shouldn't. Yeah. Now, when we talked about long-term and short-term goals, or interconnected goals. I think we did mention a bit that sometimes, yes, you'll make a short-term sacrifice in yes. order to reach a long-term goal, and there's a lot of value in that. But there's a difference between doing that like with a clear set goal, like I want to achieve this, so I'm going to settle or sacrifice this short-term to reach that, and like long-term chronically settling for less um, based on our insecurities. And that is something that we'll do. We'll get into relationships that maybe... People are with people that aren't kind to us because we feel like, well, I don't really have enough value to get something better. Or, you know, they say they love me. I don't know if anyone else will love me the way they do. So I'm going to stick around, even though it's not actually a pleasant experience. Or jobs, too, that we'll say in that we hate the job. We wake up every morning like, oh, I don't want to go to work. I, I don't know. If and sorry, go ahead. And we stay in that full time. We stay in that long term. Thinking that we can't get anything How better. How many times have you been in a romantic relationship where there are some very solid, beautiful, positive things, but there are also some really not-so-good things? Yeah. And those not-so-good things start to outweigh the good things. Yeah. But you tell yourself, I'm never going to find someone who has this. I'm never going to find someone who has that. And it's the most ridiculous things. I remember like one time I had a girlfriend who... It, she was abusive mentally, physically, physically. emotionally, every type yeah. of mm, the word. Uh, it was a very, very difficult relationship for me. But there were certain things we had in common that I thought, like, she liked cars. She liked working on cars. And during that period, I liked cars. So I was like, where am I going to find someone who likes cars? Now I don't care if a girl likes cars or not. Yeah. It's not <laughs> important. I've realized that you can have great relationships with varying interests and stuff but in that moment it was like i just grabbed on to the few good things and i justified all the bad i was like yeah i will put up with all this bullshit because i don't think i'm gonna find someone who and it was it was silly things and i remember in my early dating life when i was more insecure because uh, an insecurities that stemmed from various different things to give context having traveled and moved around so much, I was always the outsider, mm -hmm. so I would get bullied a lot. I would be treated like the outsider, so I always thought, when is someone going to pull a prank on me? When I got to a new country, if they invited me to a party, or they invited me to anything, I thought there was an opportunity to ridicule me yeah. rather than include me. Uh, so I automatically rejected myself in many situations. Uh, the narratives of, you know, guys only want sex, blah, blah, blah. You see it a little bit with the Me Too movement. Things like that with my context of wanting to be a gentleman, wanting to be kind, having certain core values. 
I thought I cannot express interest romantically uh, or sexually because I'm going to offend them. I'm going to be a burden. No one will want to be with me. Uh, all guys are the same. Women hate us. Like, I had a lot of different narratives where I just was like, I'm going to reject myself in all these areas of my life because I don't think anyone is going to like me. I don't think anyone is. And, like, I've shared it on the podcast here before. For many years, like... I I I was a late bloomer, but not because of any, uh, like not by choice in the sense that it wasn't like oh I'm waiting for marriage and stuff like that. No, I come from a liberal context. I come from liberal values. I grew up in Denmark and Canada and things like that. So I, it wasn't anything. To it was my insecurities. I just assumed no one wanted anything to do with me, and if I expressed what I was feeling and thinking. I would be the most offensive person, the most selfish person. So uh, it was like I wouldn't sell myself because I thought I didn't have value yeah. and I assumed I inherently have no value and anything that I sell will be selfish so I won't sell myself yeah. romantically. And I swear, like I, I, w I was in my 20s when I lost my, lost my virginity, I think. It was I was slow and trust me it was not from lack of libido or lack of desire it was just insecurities mm -hmm. and self rejection and in sales I I know so many people who've been in similar situations where based on their previous experiences or internal narratives that they tell themselves they just shut down and stop selling themselves and that they can't and they, they make excuses uh and they, they put conditions and I can only sell myself in this situation if this changes or if this changes. Mm -hmm. And they keep procrastinating. And it's like you have to make a decision one day of like, okay, this is important for me, for my emotional well-being, my, my mental well-being, my health, whatever. It's important. I have to do it. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to face rejection. It's going to be tough, but I have to do it. And when we talk about sales, I mean... No one is going to reject you more than you're going to reject yourself. Yeah. It's it's just a fact. And it it even if you think you're not rejecting yourself, maybe you are the person who uses your insecurities to project a certain arrogance. Mm -hmm. You're rejecting yourself if you're doing it with a false arrogance. Yeah, if you're overcompensating. If you're overcompensating, you're rejecting yourself. Mm -hmm. So you have to tackle those insecurities you have to face them you have to acknowledge them and be like okay something has to change mm -hmm. and sometimes you gotta ask for help sometimes you just gotta step out of your comfort zone but you have to know that there are th it's a humongous world out there humongous world out there and we live in a point in history where we have more access to transportation, more access to resources, more access to information, mm -hmm. more access to meet new people, more access to increase our social circles. We live longer. We live up to 100 years in, in, in many countries, approximately 80 85, 90, 95. I mean, certainly the average life expectancy this generation is way longer than uh, any previous generation. And... Uh, that means we're not in as much of a rush to do things. We yeah. don't need to settle as fast. Uh, we can 
deal with our insecurities, we can deal with our challenges, we can expand our resources, we can try new things, we can take our time to work on things, but we've got to get started. Yeah. And we cannot settle because when it comes to sales, I think most people, they settle. They settle in their relationships. They settle in with their businesses and their careers. They just assume this is the easy route. This is, And I don't want to discredit or devalue taking an easy route if it works for you. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people who've hit jackpot. I mean, uh, that get on Tinder and the first girl they meet is like, wow, this this is amazing. Uh, and they don't need to keep looking. I know people who get out of college, their first job is like, this is amazing. I don't need to keep looking. That's fine. Yeah. No, but and also the scale of your life is up to you yeah. in the sense that if you're happy having a stable job that, you know, is within your interests and it pays the bills and you live a peaceful life, that's great. If that works for you and that's what you want, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. If it's not what you want and you're forcing yourself into it, that's you're where there's a problem. If you're justifying constantly, mm -hmm. you're justifying why you're in a job, you're justifying why you're in a relationship, you're justifying mm -hmm. why you put up with something. You're ju if, you're, you're, if you're constantly justifying things, you have to ask yourself why you're doing it. Yeah. I understand as an entrepreneur, sometimes I have to justify my actions. Mm -hmm. But I'm there, I have to sell my vision to other people and I have to sell the stages of the vision because I have to break it down into digestible, bite-sized uh, visions that they can understand, they can empathize with, they can get excited about, they can not get so overwhelmed by because obviously my vision is huge and... If I present everything at the same time, they get overwhelmed. So obviously I have to justify sometimes and explain, I did this because this connects with this and connects to this. And this goes really in line with what we talk about interconnected goals. Yeah. You have to interconnect all your goals. And if you haven't watched pre uh, last week's episode, I strongly recommend it. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to interconnect all those goals and you got to communicate the value in, okay, this by this by this. But there's a difference between explaining and the value of something and justifying it to yourself. Yeah. 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 Because with other people, most people are not going to see your vision. They're not going to understand your choices. They don't have your context. They don't have your personality. They don't have your situation. So obviously many people are not going to understand and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But the question is, do you understand? Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. No. And, and you'll notice the difference between when you're justifying yourself justifying something to yourself and when you're selling something to yourself based on exactly the principles of the interconnected goals. Um, what we talk about with interconnected goals is you look at both your long-term and your short-term goals and how they relate to each other. Are they contributing to each other? Are they taking away from each other? So if you're, say you're in a relationship, you're justifying to yourself, I'm in this relationship because I can't find someone better. I'm in this relationship because I don't deserve better. I'm in this relationship because we have this thing in common and it's really special. You're justifying your when you're justifying it to yourself, there's no goal, there's no vision, there's no uh, plans for action for how to keep growing things, how to keep improving things. Yeah. Even th if things are good, there should be a certain vision for how yes. can I keep improving things. If you're selling it to yourself, you might Maybe you're in a situation where you're financially dependent on somebody and it's not a great relationship, but if you put up with it short term, you can get stable financially and then get out of it and then have a better yeah. life. Okay, that's a very different situation. 
There you're selling yourself, okay, this is my situation. This is the sacrifice I'm willing to make right now to reach the long-term goal, to reach a long-term vision, to create the future life that I want for myself. No, I mean, it's context, context, context. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really (laughs) is. And the purpose of today's podcast is to really start understanding that you have way more power than you think. Yeah. In all areas of your life, not just your business. Yes, work on that fear of rejection. Yes, start seeking rejection rather than avoiding rejection. Yes, refine your skills. If you're an introvert, work on recharging your social battery. Work on uh, figuring out how to step out of your comfort zone. If you're an extrovert, figure out how to organize yourself, especially when it comes to contact management, uh, a CRM, all those sort of st- uh, things. I mean, there's a lot of value. Grow. It's called develop your element as, uh, for a reason. It's not identify your element. It's called develop your element. Yeah. you got to develop skill sets, develop new things. Uh in 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 your business, stop devaluing yourself. Stop uh, discounting out of insecurities. Stop selling from your own pocket, your own economy, your own values, and start understanding the context and the values and the goals of your client. But don't limit it to your business and your relationship. Sell your ideas, your goals, your visions, your kinks. I mean, your your like if there's something you want romantically, emotionally. Uh, Physically, uh, sexually, uh, d- uh, environmentally, uh, socially. Sell those things to your partner. Sell it. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't uh, keep all that frustration and let that deteriorate your relationship. Yes, maybe that person isn't for you and you'll both figure out that it doesn't work. But many times improving communication can create win-win situations. Yeah. In developed element, it's all about win-win situations. It's not about uh, me versus you or zero-sum games or any of that bullshit. It's about figuring out what do I need to be my best version and how can I unlock other people around me to be their best versions and how can we all get what we want. Yeah. I mean, and you can, yes, sometimes it requires sacrifices, but don't do stupid sacrifices out of desperation and insecurities. Mm-hmm. Do well-calculated sacrifices that will take you to where you want to get. Yeah, That's where interconnected goals come into play. We got to look at this in a wholesome, at a macro level. So many people live their day-to-day lives at a micro level. And I don't say micro by making things small. I talk about focusing so much on right now, this current situation, this drama, this uh, challenge, this situation, that they don't take a step back and look at, their whole life and reflect on what do I need to change? What do I need to develop? Mm-hmm. What do I need to invest in? What do I need to uh, explore? What is really important for me? What are my goals and how do I interconnect all that stuff? Yeah. And yes, last week's episode is more about that than today's episode, but they are connected because yeah. when it comes to sales and when it comes to communicating value and stuff, the first step is you giving yourself your va- uh, value the first step is being self-aware, mm-hmm. self-aware and empathetic as well. You have to be empathetic of the people around you to understand their context so that you can sell what works for them and not just impose your will and your goals and your thoughts. Mm-hmm. So you got to do these things at a wholesome level. And that's why if you guys follow us, you guys know when we talk about any topic, 
we bring in many other topics and try to connect dots so that you guys don't get stuck at dealing with things at a micro level because everything is interconnected your personal life your uh, career your self-worth your i mean there's so many things that are influencing each other and if you don't connect those dots you're not going to have the voice that you want to have. You're not going to have the impact you want to have. And you've got to tackle all these different things. And it starts with facing your fears. Mm -hmm. It starts with like not letting yourself devalue yourself. And it's good to have a support network too. You don't got to do it alone. We all have different ways of doing it. But find those people around you who don't let you settle. Don't let you accept less than yeah. great. And yes, there are going to be people that are going to push you. They're going to challenge you. They're going to uplift you. They're going to crush you sometimes. But find those people who are honest with you, but who also have a proven track record in not letting you settle. Yeah, and, and coming from a place where they care about what your goals are. Because there are going to be people that are going to push you based on uh, their yes. own goals. Yes. Uh, a stereotypical version of this would be the moms of uh, pageant girls <laughs> yeah. who, you know, they missed out in life or they feel they missed out in life, so now they're projecting everything into their kid. Yes. Uh, but there are going to be people that on smaller or larger scale are going to be doing that where they're going to be projecting their own goals, their own desires onto you. So do start noticing the difference. I appreciate that because... I mean, they're not coming from a bad place. No, they're no. not trying to, to screw you over. Uh, they're coming from a place of they see something as valuable, so they want you to have it. Yeah. Um, but do also notice which people are pushing you to reach your goals, yeah. encouraging you to reach your goals, encouraging you to keep moving forward in your life based on your context, your desires, uh, because those are people that really are very valuable to have in your life. Yeah, and there are going to be people around you that you might feel are too critical of your choices and things like that, and sometimes it can be annoying. Sometimes it can generate fatigue. But I can tell you with a lot of honesty and vulnerability, I'm very grateful for those people who have not let me settle neither in my career or romantic mm -hmm. life because many times my insecurities led me to accept situations that were suboptimal. Yeah. And I had people around me who would tell me, you know, this is this isn't great. This isn't good. I uh, like you can do better. You got to step it up like the like don't settle. Like I've had people who've done that for me and even when I couldn't see it myself in the moment, I'm grateful for those people today. Uh but yes, uh the more context you provide to the people who are in your support network the better they're going to be at helping you yeah and the more that people around you seek context the better so also try to understand which people around you are seeking most context to really take into account the variables and your goals and mm -hmm. your context uh that is that is key as well yeah uh but yes i mean we're all salespeople. We're selling every single day. We're selling ideas. We're selling thoughts. We're selling our actions, our choices. We're selling products. We're selling services sometimes. We're selling all kinds of different things. Uh, but you don't have to be in a sales job to be selling. Mm -hmm. uh, and yes, you want to get a promotion. You got to sell yourself. You want to get uh, uh, you want to get hired. You got to sell yourself. You want to seduce someone. You got to sell yourself. Don't just assume things. Don't just expect things. Sell. Sell, 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 but focus on adding value based on the value that the other person can receive. Yeah. So, 
I think that covers today's topic. If you guys are left wanting more in any specific area, don't forget to like and subscribe. Don't forget to ring the bell. We cover all kinds of topics every week. We're going to go more in depth with many different areas of sales. And we do have podcasts where we have covered sales with a more entrepreneur sh uh, entrepreneurial uh, narrative. If you have any requests where you want to uh, hear us cover something in a specific way or you have any questions, doubts, whatever, let us know in the comments below within if you're watching us on YouTube, if you're listening to us on Spotify or on one of the many other uh, podcast streaming services. Uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, on any of our socials, feel free to send us a message or comment on one of our, our posts and we'll definitely uh, make sure to, to get back to you guys on, on that and cover those things that you guys desire in future episodes. So see you same time, same place next week. Have See a good you one. next time. <laughs>